Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. That feeling of being anchored is really nice when we're traveling. I mean, traveling can be really disorienting. It can be dysregulating. And to just sit with your journal, with especially a handwritten journal, and reflect and figure out why the things that you've been doing have meaning. It's such a gateway to self-discovery. And You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. How are you today, my friend? Got a wonderful show on a topic that... Believe it or not, we have never covered on the Zero to Travel podcast. After hundreds of episodes, we've never talked about travel journaling, which in many ways is an essential part of the travel experience. And you'll hear why in this episode. At the top, you heard a clip from my guest today, Lavinia Spaulding, who is an award-winning author and editor. She has published nine books. Her work has won Gold, Lowell Thomas, and Solas Travel Writing Awards. And she also teaches writing workshops around the world. And she has a TEDx talk as well around travel writing and global change. And one of the books that she wrote is called Writing Away, A Creative Guide to Awakening the Journal Writing Traveler. And when I saw this, I thought, wow, I mean, well, a journal and travel, they, they're just something that pair extremely well together, right? It's almost an essential piece of travel gear. And I feel like this is true even if you are not a writer or don't consider yourself a writer. Having a little notebook with you or something to capture the memories, the thoughts, the moments... And why don't we level up our travel journaling game here today and get some tips from a pro? So that's what we do. We talk about some of Lavinia's transformative trips. Uh, She shares how living in South Korea for six years changed her life. We get into a lot of the journaling talk, why a journal might teach you something that you can't learn anywhere else and what makes them so special, how to spice up your travel journal by including more than just your writing. She shares tips, tricks, and best practices for journaling in general, how travel makes writers of us all, how to build that 
habit of journaling, which is something I've struggled with, and loads more. It's all coming in this show today, and I've got a couple other things as well if you want to stick around on the back end. Something that came up in our conversation kind of sparked a a reminder of a recipe I came up with. It's really easy to remember this recipe. It's not a food recipe. It's actually a recipe for helping you achieve great things in your life. I know this is a bit of a bold statement, but you'll understand what I'm saying when I share what this recipe is after the interview. So stick around for that segment. Now, I want to give a shout out to somebody in this community who is doing something that's quote crazy to them. And you'll hear why in just a moment. This is uh, one of the fellow listeners in this community. I love highlighting listener stories, by the way. You hear me say it every time if you ever want to get in touch. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email, and I've got that handy-dandy link. Yes, I said handy-dandy. I don't know why. Uh, in the show notes for you to leave a voice message, uh, which is a really easy thing to do. So please make this a two-way conversation. Get in touch, share your story. Let me know what is up. This is a community-powered show after all. Now, quick shout out to a listener before we get into the interview. This is for Jesse, who's doing something that I plan on doing one day fairly soon as well. She says, hi, Jason. My name is Jesse. I've been binging on the Zero to Travel podcast over the last couple of weeks. Love the show and hearing everybody's different stories. Thanks for all you do. My family, husband, myself, and two boys age four and two woo, are preparing to head out on a family gap year where we will travel the world. This is quote unquote crazy for a few reasons. First, we have barely traveled at all outside of our honeymoon to Bermuda. We have only traveled for two short work trips, Barcelona and Aruba. Two, we are quitting our stable six-figure corporate jobs and selling our house plus most of our possessions to make this possible. Three, did I mention the two young boys? Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks again for sharing your wisdom and the stories of others. It's so helpful and encouraging. And she did mention offering yourself up as a guest for one of these transition to travel episodes. If you haven't heard one before, if you're new to the podcast, just search transition to travel in the feed. These are some of my favorite episodes to put together where we interview somebody before a crazy adventure and after and see how the trip went, if it was the right decision to leave your job and so on. And those are some of the more popular episodes. So I will in fact be trying to record one of these with Jesse and we are getting in touch. So anyway, thanks for reaching out and inspiring me once again to look into my own family gap year, which I'm telling you is happening soon. That's the plan. That is my plan anyway. Maybe I'll have to sell everybody on it a bit. We'll see. All right, let's slip and slide into this interview now. Again, stick around on the other side for that success recipe, we'll call it, for achieving things in life. And I'll leave you with a quote as well on writing to wrap this up. So please enjoy this chat with my friend Lavinia, and I will see you on the other side, my friend. I am on the line with Lavinia Spaulding, who is an award-winning author and editor who has published 10 books and is also the co-host of the wonderful storytelling podcast, There She Goes, which features travel stories told by the women who wrote them. You can learn more about her work at LaviniaSpaulding.com. Got a lot of fun things to talk about today. So Lavinia, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I wanted to talk about your town, New Orleans. 
which is a place that's near and dear to my heart. It's one of those towns where you just don't feel like you're even in the USA in, in some ways. And the music and the food. So like, how did you end up in New Orleans from Flagstaff, where you grew up, which is like a mountain, kind of rugged mountain town, college town, right? Right. Well, I took a very circuitous route. Um, <laughs> I actually grew up in Kensington, New Hampshire um, until I was 10. And then I moved to Flagstaff. And then I moved around quite a bit. Um, Boston, uh, Utah, South Korea for six years, and um, San Francisco. And in San Francisco, I met a guy and the guy had been trying to figure out how to live in New Orleans uh, for like 25 years. He started, I think, trying to talk me into moving here on our second date. And I ended up marrying that guy. And so here we are. So was it one of those situations where on like the second date, you guys both felt like this is probably the person I'm going to marry? Was it that kind of thing? Well, he felt that way. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a feeling. I had a feeling. We both had a hunch. And um, so then we had a baby and the baby started to crawl. And we were in a little one bedroom in San Francisco and we needed more space. And he said, well, we can either move to the suburbs of San Francisco or we can move, we could try New Orleans. And I was very resistant because my whole community in San Francisco, I just had an extraordinary community there and I didn't want to leave. And finally he said, well, you know, New Orleans is kind of the closest you can get to being an expat and still live in the country. And I was like, all right, when do we leave? That's a good sales proposition, (laughs) I would say. Yeah. And in many ways it is. It, It really has its own culture. It has its own cuisine. It has things that you, you literally cannot find anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been there now? We've been here uh, five and a half years. Okay. Well, yeah, when you travel or when you're traveling long term, you know, that's kind of built in, right? Like detaching from maybe community or your sense of belonging to it. Maybe not your sense of belonging to a place, but, you know, you're, you're pulled out of your sort of everyday life there. And I do feel like that that is an exercise in detachment, right? And, and so moving to another city, that's like, like your husband said, I mean, that's almost like a permanent, a permanent detachment from some uh, part of your life that is really like a closed chapter in many ways, right? Was that was that hard for you in the beginning? I, I mean, I can relate because when I moved to Oslo, it was like I don't think I realized how impactful it was going to be to like totally close the Colorado chapter in my life where I was living beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I left with the with the intention to keep a foot in both places. And, you know, my publishers are there. Um, I'm on the faculty of a conference, the Book Passage Travel Writing Conference every year. Um, my, I have so many friends, my goddaughter. Um, and so I, I thought, well, I'm going to move to New Orleans. And because it's so much cheaper to live in New Orleans, I'll be able to afford to come back a lot and stay. And, and I, was, I was doing that pretty well until the pandemic hit. And now I haven't been back in so long and, and that's hard, but um, yeah, it was, it was tricky at first. At, at first it was wonderful to be here. And I just 
connected with with it in a big way and with the joy and the music and the um just the the kind of the food and the spirit of New Orleans is is just it's contagious and then I went through a real slump of being extremely homesick for the Bay Area but um this was actually kind of it was interesting to me I realized that I really fell in love with New Orleans during the pandemic. Like it was a great place to be. It still is a great place and we're not, you know, out of it. But um, but when the world shut down and uh, it felt like I couldn't travel, I just dug in really deep to the culture here. I wrote, I co-wrote the Frommer's Easy Guide to New Orleans and I started writing a bunch of articles about New Orleans. I started really becoming a tourist here and it was a it was a nice time to be here because New Orleans New Orleanians have this sort of um resilient spirit and no one was really too stressed out here. They were just like, "Meh, we'll just have our music outside instead of inside." And all of the restaurants have outside seating or not all of them but a lot of them and so it it was a pretty soft space to be how did the diving in and starting to write about your town change change it for you if at all well i started to find to feel like more of a a resident um more of a local more connected Uh, yeah, New Orleans has a thing where if you didn't grow up here, if you didn't go to high school, you're kind of you can't say that you're you're you know a New Orleanian. Um, but I started meeting so many cool people in my research, and and just I had to learn so much about the history, and that made me definitely feel a lot more connected. It's a it's such a magical place. It really is. There's just there's nowhere like it. There really isn't. <laughs> My stomach's starting lucky. to growl just thinking about all of the meals I've had there. And oh, and my wife hasn't been to New Orleans and I'm really, I would love to take her because it's just such a different place. You know, there's no place like it in the world. I know you can say that about a lot of places, but New Orleans is special. <laughs> it is special. It um, is really special. You know, I wanted to ask you about your first transformative trip because you've built a career around traveling. I'm wondering what the genesis of that was. Mm. Well, I, three trips come to mind. Uh, the first would probably be when I was 10, we moved, my family moved from New Hampshire to Flagstaff, Arizona. And we took um, three weeks to drive across country in this old, uh, refurbished school bus that my my parents had named it um, Gilly Rom, which it means Song of the Road in um, in the uh, Romani language, and it was just it was very eye opening. I was already going to be a writer. I was working on a novel about <laughs> three three uh, siblings with rhyming names: Jenny, Penny, and Lenny. And um, yeah, that novel didn't end up going anywhere, but I was writing this novel and, and going across the country with my family. And I, there, those are still some of my strongest travel memories. Like my, my parents were beatniks and very unconventional. And uh, my father was a concert guitar, uh, uh, classical 
and flamenco guitarist. And I remember one night we were at this KOA somewhere like Virginia or, or somewhere, and there was a pond and there were rowboats and they were all chained up. And my father broke the lock, <laughs> broke the lock uh, on the chain. And we all just had this like incredible magical evening um, out on these boats with my dad and his guitar and at late at night. That was it's just one of the memories. I mean, there were so many memories. So that was probably the first, the first one. And, and, um, and it kind of kicked off a, a curiosity in me. And, and then when, um, you know, I, I did sort of the, the um, traditional Europe backpacker thing uh, my senior year in college. And that, that was what really gave me the big travel bug. Yeah. That was the case for me too. Right yeah. after I graduated from college, did the solo backpacking thing. And I was like, mm -hmm. mind totally blown. You, you use the word transformative. And when I really think about what was the most transformative travel for me, it was definitely South Korea. I lived there for six years and it, it really shaped who I was, who I am as a person. Mm. Why did you so, move there for six years? Well, I didn't. I moved there for one year uh, to teach English <laughs> as, a, as a second language. Just to have and, an abroad experience abroad? Yeah. Yeah. So I was graduating from college and I, was, uh, I didn't have any money, not a dime. Um, I was supposed to go into publishing. I had been working as an intern um, at a, a scholarly press, um, as a proofreader and an editor. And I assumed that I would go into publishing and that I, you know, would like move to New York and get a job at, at some, uh, publishing house. And I was at a party in, you know, my senior year. And I met this woman who said, Oh, I'm leaving for Korea in two weeks. And she started telling me about, what she'd be doing, teaching these conversation classes, and that she didn't have any upfront costs, that the school was flying her over and putting her up in an apartment. And I just made one of those blink decisions on the spot. Really? To go, to, to, to go with her to also. Oh, go. really? Yeah. <laughs> right there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, I am, I am actually, I too will be going to Korea very soon. And, uh, yeah, I had a boyfriend um, and he came along and um, and one year turned into three years. And then I came home and I spent a year in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, working for um, a newsletter, writing for a newsletter, a financial newsletter company. And then I just got super bored and went back for another three years. <laughs> That's how I ended up there for six. That's a long story. What do you love about South Korea? Got everything everything. I mean, it's, it's, it feels it really, when I left, I was pretty fluent in the language and I learned so much there. I became a Buddhist there. Well, that's not true. I became a Buddhist in Santa Fe officially, but I, I, it began my, my path, um, uh, as a, as a practicing Buddhist. And, um, I learned to cook there. I, you know, I, I took Taekwondo lessons. I mean, I just really, I was fascinated with, um, with the culture, but the people were, you know, were of course the best. I had so many 
friends who just sort of adopted me. And um, yeah, so I went back uh, a couple, that was, I left 20 years ago and then I went back um, three or four years ago to write a feature for uh, the AAA magazine. And it was the first time that I'd been back in 17 years, I guess. And it was incredible. And I, I, I could not believe how good the food was. I was just, I, I think I gained like 10 pounds while I was there because I just couldn't stop eating. Yeah. Place I got to get to. Oh my gosh, you have to. You have to. I know it. We'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now let's get back to the show. All right. Well, I want to get into travel journaling. You wrote a whole book about this, which I, I thought was just a wonderful idea. And I want to dig into this. The book, I know you've published many books and we can share some more of those because I want to hear some of the other ones that you've written and some of your favorites. Of course, you can find them all on Lavinia's website. But this book, Writing Away, Creative Guide to Awakening the Journal Writing Traveler. And I just want to start it with a quote from the book comes early on where you say, if we're committed to honest investigation, the travel journal can be a cornerstone of growth and a catalyst for great work providing a safe container for astonishing discoveries and the life lessons we take away from them. And I'm wondering what life lessons you have learned from journaling that may not have otherwise revealed themselves to you. I guess one of the things that, that 
I've learned most from journaling is that when we really sit and write and reflect on, on our experiences that I don't know, I think it has a lot in common with travel. We learn that we're not alone. I find journaling to be very um, similar to communion in a way. Like I, I sit and I write and I feel like the journal is kind of a companion. And so that, I, I don't know if that's really a life lesson, but just the, the, the feeling of being connected to the journal has, has really, has been a, a big part of what has kept me doing it. But I guess, I guess life lessons, the life lessons for me really come from travel. Um, you know, just the realization that, you know, we're all interconnected again, to use that word, but also just, just the, the awakening that happens when we get out of our comfort zones and we shake things up and we're, you know, eating different foods and sort of challenging all our preconceptions. Those are the sorts of life lessons that I was probably referring to. And I think that, that there's a, there's a real value to sitting down with a journal and kind of diving into those and exploring them deeply. And so, yeah, I'm totally not sure if I just answered your question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. Well, it, you know, it's an interesting, first of all, I've had a heck of a hard time building a habit around journaling and maybe it's because I'm not a writer, I don't know, or you know, that's probably a bad excuse, right? There's really the habit element of it, right? On the practical side, it's like, all right, let's build the journaling habit. And then there's the sort of the why keep a travel journal in, in the first place, which I think you've answered, right? Is the documentation of these reflections gives you the space to kind of process, I feel, and really brings forward like what maybe you noticed that you didn't even realize you noticed until you start writing in some ways, at least that's been my experience with it. Yeah. I mean, I think there are so many reasons the why there are so many whys to keep a journal. Um, that's just that sort of, I mean, I could go on for hours about all, all the various reasons why one should keep a journal. Um, but I do think that feeling of being anchored is really nice when we're traveling. I mean, traveling can be really disorienting. It can be dysregulating. And to just sit with your journal, with especially a handwritten journal, and um, and reflect and uh, figure out why the things that you've been doing have meaning. Um, I mean, that's just, it's such a, it's such a, gateway to self-discovery and and it it just sort of I don't know it forces this stillness and this attention it forces us to really notice and ask deeper questions and I think that's when we become a better traveler is when we ask those questions of ourselves I mean it's a conversation with yourself really and and especially nowadays I feel like you know we don't really listen to ourselves very often so much of of what we do and and maybe i'm i'm just um speaking for myself here but with social media and 
even if you're a big you know, reader or a big TV watcher, so much of what we're consuming is provided by other people, is given to us by others. Other people are entertaining us. And, um, and it's a kind of a rare opportunity to just sit and let yourself speak to yourself, you know, and, and, and be in conversation with your mind and, and really listen to your thoughts. And, and I find the, the easiest way to do that is when I'm writing in a handwritten journal, there's this sort of, you know, kinesthetic connection mm. to the page. Yeah. I love that. The way of thinking about it, this sort of two way conversation with yourself. <laughs> I, yeah. I had a question, right? just some practical questions, but it sounds like that the one I had around paper or digital, it sounds like you're paper-based all the way, right? Keep it, keep it analog style. Mm, I mean, not all the way because I'm also a reporter. So sometimes, I mean, I'm, you know, or I'm a, I'm a travel writer. So I, I keep a couple of different notebooks when I'm traveling. I have sort of a big, you know, I love going out and buying a, a brand new unlined journal for every trip, some, some beautiful moleskin or, something that I'll want to write in that's visually appealing to me. And so I keep that for just writing my thoughts, my musings, my reflections. Um, and then I keep a smaller, usually a, a little sort of pocket-sized notebook that I, um, that I walk around with during the day and jot down things. Um, and then I, I usually have things on my phone as well, just because sometimes it's faster to take notes on that. So I do all of the above. I can never do without the, the handwritten journal because of the part where it becomes a keepsake. It becomes this incredible artifact that you get to keep. I love looking through my old journals. It's, it's time travel. It just brings me right back to, to that place in a way that, um, that I think reading old Instagram posts or uh, or you know blog posts or emails just it just can't for some reason reading my own handwriting looking at you know I do I I also always travel with a glue stick so I also have tickets in there and um, hand drawn maps and uh, a lot of lists I keep a lot of lists. See that sounds so fun to have. I wish I had a box of all of that. And I cannot go back in time and do it now. <laughs> so you're so you inspiring me here. I can start now. I do it a bit with audio because I'm lazy, right? So I'll like I'll, I'll record and you know I can listen back and hear uh, my kids talking from like three years ago or something, and that's pretty pretty cool. So that's sort of my version of that, but it's not organized. It's not paper based, and I just like that feeling of being able to be transported back to a certain time in your life. And in order to write maybe fearlessly, I don't know if that's the right word, I feel like a part of that, even within your own private <laughs> sanctuary of writing and journaling, isn't there a bit of an element of still quieting the judgmental mind where you're just like, you know, oh, okay, I, can't, I shouldn't, no, I shouldn't write about this or this is stupid or do you have any advice around that? Yeah, I think that's one of the most important reasons to keep a journal actually is that 
that ability to be honest and vulnerable. When you're writing with an audience in mind, whether it's for an article or a letter or a, you know, a social media post or you know, anything that you know you'll share, it, it's just it's not as easy to get real. You know, you you don't um, you don't generally allow yourself, or I don't generally allow myself to get really wild and messy and vulnerable. And I don't write the embarrassing stuff, um, the the disappointments, things like that. And those are those are the kinds of experiences that I think really teach us. You know, travel. Um, there's so much opportunity for self discovery growth. And if we're only writing what is intended for public consumption, we're missing huge opportunities. And so I always tell my students, write for yourself first, before you ever think about writing for an audience, because that's where the breakthroughs will come and the real um, epiphanies. I just think it's nice to keep some some things for yourself, to keep some stories for yourself. Not everything you experience needs to be broadcast to your thousands of friends and followers. Some, some things, you know, you get to keep. And that's what the journal is for. It's also, well, I was about to go off on a major tangent. Okay. Please, <laughs> tangent away. I love <laughs> tangents. Um, <laughs> Just thinking about social media made me think about how visual everything is when we think about what we consume um, in terms of travel media and travel information. There's it, so much of it is visual. It's image based. It's all, um, I mean, it's not all, but it's, it's primarily photos, beautiful photos. And there's just so much more to travel than that. You know, there's, there's um, so much that you can get down in your journal that you could never get in a picture. There's sights and, I mean, there's not sights. <laughs> there's tastes and, and smells and touch and, you know, all, the, all of the sounds and there's conversations and there's emotions. And those are the things that I try to capture when I'm journaling. I don't write, you know, this is what I did today. Um, that, you know, I, I do some of that, but I really try to capture what can't, what my camera can't. Yeah. Well, you have a chapter in the book called tips, tricks, and how travel makes writers of us all writing, honest, writing raw. And I wanted to get some of those tips and tricks here. I I'm imagining when I open your journal, because maybe it's because you said your parents were beatniks that there's going to be some like flowing stream of consciousness, sort of Kerouac-esque <laughs> prose you know i don't know what it looks like or you know finely you know crafted sentences or i i don't know what i would find but i'm curious yeah i, I wanted to hear some of your tips and tricks and just best practices well i mean it's it's different for everyone you know i i have friends who write you know long long entries and um they sit every day at the end of their of their travels and they write these long entries. And I'm not, I don't really do that so much. I, like I said, I keep a lot of lists um, and I, 
I always make sure when I'm starting a journal entry to kind of hit the hit the um, bullet points first, like, you know, five things that I, that I don't want to forget from today. Boom, 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 boom. And then I'll start writing long form um, because otherwise I'll get tired and, and then I'll never <laughs> write about some of those things. So, and then I keep a lot of lists. Uh, so I, I make these lists before I even set out on, on my travels. I'll write at the, at the top of the page um, people or characters um, because sometimes they, the characters are animals or, um, and I'll, I'll write, you know, sounds or tastes or uh, questions or quotes. And so I'm filling those in all the time when I'm traveling and it's fun for one thing, but it's also kind of a trick to get me to open the notebook I'll think, oh, I, I have to remember this guy's name, who, you know, because I had such an interesting conversation with him. And so I'll flip to the characters page and write his name in. So that's that's just a, you know, I guess a, a tip. If you want to have fun with it, just bring a glue stick and a, a, you know, a, a small, um, a small pair of scissors, because you know, it's it's fun to just sort of glue in your ticket stubs and things like that. And it makes it so much more interesting when you do look back on it or when you're sharing it someday with your kid, you could say, oh, you know, this isn't, this was a, you know, a, a little map that someone drew me or this was my, um, the, the sugar wrapper that, you know, the, that, uh, or the sugar packet, you know, wrapper and things like that. I mean, I have so many things that I have this, <laughs> this uh, I was in Bali and I was, I had a friend who smoked clove cigarettes in Bali and um, it just reminded me of him. So I went and bought myself a pack of clove cigarettes and I gave the cigarettes away and I put the package, the wrapper in my journal and it still smells, you know, that was like, I don't even know, 20 years ago, it still faintly smells like clove cigarettes and it just brings me back. So I love that. Um, but the, the other tip I would say, you were saying that it's the practice of it that's hard for you to get into the habit. I mean, there are a lot of things I could say about that. I would say the first thing is just give yourself really easy goals. Um, and I've read that writing down goals makes it much more likely that you will actually accomplish your goals because it sends a message to your brain that it's important. So like to write down, you know, I will write in my journal uh, five minutes a day or three minutes a day. So to give yourself a goal that's so, that sounds so easy, I think is a, is a good idea. So I always make a goal to write for um, three minutes a day. And of course I end up writing longer than that because once I crack the journal, I, start writing and I enjoy writing, but it's sort of hard to just get into the habit. So um, even five, five words or two sentences to just say, well, I'll just do this or I'll just write lists, but then you have it and you open it and that's half of the battle. And then I would also say, just don't, you know, don't think of it as something burdensome or like homework that you have to, you have to write in from morning, you know, all, everything you did from, from breakfast to bed, from morning to night, just write what gives you pleasure. 
Yeah. Three minutes is so doable, right? right. It's just really easy to get your head around, not, not a burden. <laughs> it is, it is. And you can actually, you'd be surprised how much you can actually record yeah. in three minutes. Especially if you start with sort of the highlights or the, the main, um, I don't know, impressions you want to remember. Impressions is, is a great word. I, I love that tip of just kind of knocking them out in the beginning, so to speak. So you're just getting a framework down that you can pick and choose from. And you're also not forgetting sort of the main things. Because I think that's where it can get overwhelming for a lot of people, myself included, is that, you know, you're looking at this blank page and... Oh, am I just going to fill this up? And my hand's getting tired after the first five sentences. And I just like the idea of bullet points in three minutes. That sounds manageable. Right. right. <laughs> and if you think that you'll just, um, that you'll not do it, then you can just attach it to something that you do get done every day. And the glue so stick like, is cool. So like, I'll, I'll do it, you know, right before I brush my teeth, I'll All journal. Right. So, yeah. so attaching it to something that you do every single day. Um, I'll have it, you know, I'll do it with my coffee. I drink coffee every day. That's never going to change. Unless, <laughs> unless I agree. The whole <laughs> changes. Um, so that's a, an easy way to sort of a hack. Cool. Well, this is a, maybe more of a general travel writing question or documentation, but you mentioned practicing Buddhism and a lot of that means staying in the present moment, yet the job of the travel writer is to observe, to be in the moment, but also be able to recapture that moment later, which is no small trick. And especially when you're starting to come up with, perhaps say you're writing an article and, and you ha- you're, you're starting to develop an idea around a, a narrative or an angle, and then you start Inevitably, I feel like it's it's difficult to not start filtering some of the world through these ideas that may be turning into an article or something like that. Do you know what I'm getting at here? Because this is always a, a, a thing that I ask travel writers because I think this can be a tough balance or maybe you don't struggle with it at all. But I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts around that and um, any any practical advice you can share. Do you mean just that... that- the writing can get in the way of the experience or yeah. Yeah. That, that idea, trying to find that balance where you're having the experience, but you're also not letting the sort of the ideas around what you might want to do to document that experience come into play. Or is that even important? Does it matter even to you? For some people it might not even matter. No, I think it it is. It's tricky. Um, But I, I guess I would say that if, if you're worried from a writing point of view that you're not going to, uh, that you're only going to write what you're planning to publish, then um, I guess I'd, I'd see it sort of like photography, how we take so many pictures, but we're certainly not sharing all of them. We're figuring out which ones are the best to, to post or, um, or send and we're cropping them and we're filtering them and then we're sharing them. But in the background, you've got like all of these photos that tell the whole experience. And I think that for me, writing is like that. I, I just write and write and write and write. And um, sometimes I will identify something and think, oh, this is 
this is something I, I'll, I'll definitely want to write about. And so then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll spend more time on that. I think if what you're, if what you're saying is how to make sure that the, the chronicling doesn't interfere with the actual traveling, then that's, that goes back to, to not sort of viewing it as homework or an assignment where you, you, you're just, seeing it as something pleasurable that you get to add on to your day and to just, you know, write in shorthand. For me, you know, so much of keeping a journal is that I, I don't have a very good memory. I have large gaps of where I just don't remember things, including some of the most wonderful trips I've taken. I think that there have been times, like I, I went to Vietnam by myself, um, and I had just bought this really fancy camera and I didn't keep a journal on that trip because I was so excited about my camera. And I look at those pictures and I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. I don't know their names. I don't know where we were. I have no idea what this neighborhood is. Did I like them? Did I not like them? You know, it's, I have to keep it for my, for my um, memories. And so in that way, it, the the journalist's notebook becomes different from the traveler's diary. So for me, it's a big mishmash. I have, you know, my musings and emotions and thoughts that I would never in a million years share with anyone else. And then I have my practical overheard quotes or my interview notes, things like that. That's great. In terms of advice around travel journaling, keeping a journal, did we miss anything? Was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Mm, no, I mean, in terms of, of advice, I, I think that, that that probably sums it up. I will say that one thing that I didn't talk about is that there are actual health benefits to journaling. Um, it, and I, I always see these studies and I always read them because I feel so seen um, when, I, when I read them, but, um, but there are all these studies that show that journaling and especially handwritten journaling, that it improves your mood, it lowers stress, it strengthens your immune cells, um, it reduces blood pressure, it can help with sleep problems. Um, I've read that it even can ease asthma symptoms. I mean, there, there are always new studies popping up about how journaling can be of benefit. And so, you know, in, in addition to all of just the, you know, having a, having a place to put your innermost thoughts, having like a, a, a portable therapist or, or somewhere to sort of go for refuge and having it be sort of a, an extension of, of your creative self where you can sketch in it. If, if that's something you like to do, there's, there's health benefits. It's practical. It's creative. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it makes me so happy when I see someone in a cafe writing in their journal because it, it is, it, it does feel like it's like we're losing that. And in a larger sense, maybe sort of losing the ability to connect with ourselves deeply. Do you have rules around technology when you're traveling smartphone usage and all that, or no, not really. Um, I like my smartphone. I like, I like taking pictures. I like Instagram. I love taking, you know, recordings. Um, but I just, I, I also know that if I 
give myself over entirely to technology, I'll lose something really important in those journals, something that I won't be able to get back. And I love being able to flip back through them. And they've actually helped me too as a writer. I, you know, I was asked to, to write the introduction to an Edith Wharton classic um, called A Motor Flight Through France. And I was so, and I said yes, because you, when you're asked to introduce an Edith Wharton book, you don't say no, no matter how intimidated you are. Um, but I was so glad I had my first journal from when I went to France in college because I wrote down dutifully every word and I was able to really use that and those memories in the intro to that book. Yeah, so. oh, that's cool. Now, a quick word from our sponsors. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now back to the show. If you could go anywhere for dinner tomorrow, where would you go? Or today <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, probably to my sister's restaurant in Utah. My sister, uh, she was just actually one of... Well, I have two sisters, my sister and her, her part business partner, um, who's my, my adopted sister, but they, uh, they were just not, uh, they were semi-finalists in the, uh, outstanding restaurant category in the James Beards, only 20 in the entire country. I you know it's called Hell's Backbone Grill. Talented family over there. Ah. <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I would go to my sister's restaurant, and if her restaurant was closed, I'd fly myself to Korea, and I would gain another ten pounds. There. <laughs> nice. Uh, you're making a good case for me to become more of a beatnik style parent. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> you mentioned characters being a part of your journaling. Can you just gut reaction, tell me your most memorable encounter while traveling with a particular character? There are so many. So many. So 
But you can just share one. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think here. Um, I feel like I've been saved so often by the kindness of strangers. And, you know, I just like when I moved to Korea and I would be so often just completely lost and, and they would, these strangers would just take me by the hand and, you know, lead me wherever I wanted to go. I wrote about this guy. So there's a, there's a book that, uh, that comes out today that I'm in an anthology called letter to a stranger. And it is an anthology of 60 uh, epistolary essays written to someone who haunts you from your past. It's an incredible book edited by Colleen Kinder. You should, you should think about inviting her on because she's wonderful. Um, and I've actually written three of these letters to strangers, one to this guy I met on a beach, which is, that's the one that's in the anthology and another to a shopkeeper in Korea. But the most recent one I wrote was this man in, in um, the Fez Medina. So my husband had bought an, an um, I'm probably gonna mispronounce this word, Astrolab or Astrolabe. You know, it's an old seafaring compass. They're beautiful. And he had bought one from this man in Fez. And I went back, I think three years later and he recognized me which I was like, wow, my husband really overpaid for that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like he's got this shop in one of the busiest parts of the Fez Medina. How many tourists come through every day? How many people poke their heads in? And I wasn't even the one who bought it. I was sort of wandering around thinking, oh, why is my husband buying this big metal thing that we now have to carry home? But he recognized me and he was like, you're back. And I was like, you do not recognize me. He's like, yeah, I do. Your husband, tall guy, he bought an Astrolab for me. And it, was, it had been years. And I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And I, um, so I wrote a letter to him about that. Uh, and on the, the, the website, the literary journal is called Off Assignment. Um, and it's called something like To the Man in the Fez Medina. Um, but it just, it really made an impression on me about how we think we're just passing through these people's lives and they'll never remember us. And so how to be in the world, how to, how to act, how to engage with locals in a way that they'll remember you kindly and they'll say, you're back. I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> Well, I hope to have you back again. This was super fun. Oh, it was I really thank you fun. so much. I would love for you to share the various links, talk a little bit about the podcast. Let the people know where they can find you. Thank you for bringing up the podcast. I have a podcast with my co-host, Kelly Chappie, and it's called There She Goes. Uh, and you can find it on all the various platforms. And it's um, it's a very straightforward concept. It's just, um, there's not a lot of chit chat or almost no chit chat. We just invite women to come on and read their true travel essays. And so we have, um, we are just in production now for season two and we'll launch in April for season two that you can go back and listen to all the great stories from season one. And um, it's a cool concept. Yeah, it's it was uh, it was kind of Kelly's idea. She heard me reading um, the introduction, a part of uh, the introduction to the most recent 
edition of the best women's travel writing, which I, um, which I edit, I've edited six of the 12. And she texted me and said, we have to do this. And I said, well, yes, I, that's why I do it. And she said, no, in podcast form, <laughs> we have to share women's stories of travel. So, yeah. so that's how that came about. Um, but yeah, you can find me at, um, on Instagram or Facebook um, and very occasionally on Twitter. And my website is just LaviniaSpalding.com. Yes. And we will share all the links, check out the podcast. And I, I so appreciate you and the work you've done and the work you're still doing. And I hope to share a meal in New Orleans with you and your oh, husband one I day. So that would be too. nice. Yeah. I look forward to keeping in touch and maybe we can have you back on some, sometime would, if you're game. I would love that. Thank you so much, Jason. It's awesome. really been a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thanks. There you have it. Thank you once again to Lavinia Spaulding for stopping by the show. Lovely chat, lovely person, and definitely encourage you to check out her podcast as well. She's just so much incredible work and travel. And, you know, we have all the links in the show notes. You can learn more about her and check out her podcast over there. And appreciate her time. Travel journaling. I remember I have a journal. I remember the front of it. It was the journal I had when I took my first backpacking trip through Europe, the one that changed my life. I talked about it a bit. Uh, I mentioned it in the show, I should say. And I remember it has a monkey on the front and it's like blue purple-ish, I believe. And I have not seen it. I can't find it anywhere. And every time I go to visit my mom, I go look for it and still haven't been able to find it. I feel like it's in a box somewhere in the attic or something. Anyway, I'm going to come across that one day and it's going to be travel gold. For me, it's going to take me right back there, I think, as Lavinia said. And, you know, it's funny. I remember so many details from that trip, even though it was so long ago, sometimes more vividly than even recent trips I've taken. And I think it was because of the newness and the impact that it had on my life and how transformative it was. And I also think it was because I wrote more things down. I was writing a lot down. And I'm lazy with my journaling. I do audio journaling. So this episode for me has really been a good kick in the pants to get back to a very simple daily writing habit where it's not complicated. That was one of my favorite pieces of advice there. Uh, advice there. Just make it easy and just do it every day. Make it easy. So that will be the challenge. You know, lately I've been throwing out these challenges at the end of the episodes. And I think that's a good one for this episode is to... Kickstart a daily writing habit and start with three minutes or five minutes or three sentences, whatever works for you. I'm going to do the same thing as well. So let's do it together and know that when you're busting out your your journal, your notebook tomorrow or today, I'll be uh, writing right alongside you as well. Maybe not at the exact same time, but we can do it asynchronously, right? <laughs> All right, let me share this bold statement I want to deliver on. I mentioned at the top that I was going to share a recipe that I often think about that I believe leads to achieving some great things for yourself. Whatever everybody else thinks doesn't matter, but great things for yourself in your life when 
it's in your favor when it's followed properly. And that's not me. I don't always get this recipe accurate. And I don't really measure it exactly. But when I live by something close to it, I feel so much better about things. I feel better about just life and progress and where I'm going and everything. And this is the idea of the percentage of time that you spend in a day creating versus consuming. Creating versus consuming. This is something that was mentioned in the interview. She was saying that, you know, so much of what we're consuming is provided by others to entertain ourselves and letting ourselves speak to ourselves in a conversation, being in conversation with our mind uh, through the journaling. But there are other ways to do this too. I do it through podcasting, uh, perhaps even uh, creating music and writing songs and things like that, other things that I do creatively. And when my balance of creativity versus consumption is out of whack, if I'm consuming 80% of the time and only creating things 20% of the time, I start to feel crappy personally. And nothing's really getting done. Not that I feel like I have to be ultra productive or I feel like I have to be getting things done all the time, but there's something about exercising your creative mind that, I don't know, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, all right, yes, I put something out into the world, uh, even if that's just for me, that didn't exist at the beginning of this day. And my consuming habits can be, or I should say my consumption habits can be awful. You know, if I'm spending 80% of the day consuming, the chances are, you know, that full 80% isn't uh, being used up by all kinds of educational articles. It's like, what do they call Doom scrolling or just, you know, crap, crap for your brain, like junk, brain junk food, internet stuff. At least that's for me. And when I can tip the scales back to a higher percentage of creating versus consuming, I know I've done pretty well with that day. And when you do that over time, if you're spending the majority of your day creating instead of consuming, you're providing a service to the world because probably some of that stuff's going to get out there. You're going to share it with uh, people. Maybe it's just your spouse. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's the world through the internet or whatever. Either way, you're creating something and you're making an impact on yourself and or others. And you can uh, provide value in that way to yourself and others. And when you're consuming, not that consuming isn't a necessary thing, when you're studying, when you're researching, we need to consume. We all need to consume. But when the scales are tipped towards creating more, I find that over time, that really does compound. And it, le- it can lead to some great experiences and things in life. It's been my experience. So just wanted to leave you with some food for thought there. Perhaps highlight that and having an awareness around the percentage of the day you spend creating versus consuming and what that recipe might look like for you percentage-wise. And if it's not in a way that makes you feel good, then perhaps what we might do to change that and to flip it around a little bit. So just some thoughts there. I hope I delivered on that big uh, promise in the beginning. I believe this is a 
a critical recipe, at least for me, and I wanted to share it with you. Now, let me leave you with a quote from Maya Angelou, incredible writer. This is from her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, which I just finished a couple months ago, and what a story. She says, quote, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 